Hey, funny people, welcome to Four Cent Shots. This is where I share a brief segment from one of the past episodes of the podcast for your enjoyment. So, enjoy. As they left the AA meeting, Rosa kept smiling while Burke spoke. Over the past several months, they'd grown closer attending meetings, one in the morning, one in the evening. Everything, though, had remained platonic, which was perfect. All she wanted was his friendship, his trust. His tone said she'd gained it. It was easy, the way one sounded when speaking to those with whom you're comfortable. They emerged into the church's dark parking lot. Each breath released a puff of steam into the autumn air. After that, Burke said, my uncle never went bar hopping alone. Rosa forced a chuckle. I should hope so. Waking up in an alley covered in your own piss would deter anyone. Burke chuckled. No kidding. The lights of the Chevy Equinox flashed from across the lot. That was Alex's way of saying time to go. Well, Joey, we'll see you tomorrow. She held out her fist. He smiled and bumped it. Of course. Still smiling, he headed towards his battered Ford Focus, and she headed toward her car. Alex started it as she opened the door. So, he said as she closed the door and clicked her seat belt, Did you get it? Absolutely. From her jacket pocket, she extracted a styrofoam cup sealed inside a plastic lunch bag. The prints on it were the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Had she finally found... Lily's killer. Chattering footfalls and ringing phones filled the station. Burnt coffee and faint cigarette smoke peppered the air. Detective Morehouse plopped the box on his desk. This is everything. Inside the box were five files, the first four of which were bulky. The last one was Lily's. Rosa had only skimmed them before. The likelihood of catching a serial murderer was always low. With this being her sole priority now, however, scrutiny was paramount. The name scrawled on the boxes outside read, The Drop Sight Killer. She pulled out the first file and examined its contents. Why'd they call him that? She tapped the name with her knuckle. His M.O. Wherever one of his victims was last seen two weeks later is where we inevitably find the body. For Lily... That place had been her job at the Carnahan Museum. She'd wanted to be a history professor, so what better place to work than a history museum of some kind? Without any detectable evidence? Morehouse groaned. No fibers, no blood, no hairs. Whoever this creep is, he's smart. What about fingerprints? No prints. Morehouse scratched his beard. Well, except one. A pang of anticipation rushed through Rosa like an extra shot of espresso. Where? Morehouse grabbed Lily's file. He thumbed through it and drew out a single sheet of paper. The image it depicted to the untrained eye would have just been a monochrome smudge, but Rosa recognized what it really was. A partial print. Alex asked if he could do one last once-over before we released the body. He handed Rosa the picture. Considering everything, including Dropsite's careful track record, we didn't think he'd find anything. He scratched his cheek. Turns out, as careful as this sicko is, he's not perfect. 
Rosa did her best to hold back a smile for the sake of professionalism. To her eyes, this partial print was more than evidence. It was hope incarnate. Hi, I'm Brandon and I'm an alcoholic, he said. The group, Rosa included, responded in unison with, Hi, Brandon. He began one of his typical tales of alcoholic temptation. That's all anyone who shared talked about in these meetings. Some stories were more exciting than others were. Rosa even shared a tale or two, especially on the big two, Lily's birthday and her death day. Three years ago, in two months. Alex kept her on her feet through all that time. It hadn't been easy for him, either. He hadn't been Lily's father, but he'd been a fantastic dad. He even supported her when she told him she was leaving the police department to become a P.I. Politicians and taxpayers expected police, whatever their rank, to be cogs in the system, another component to lower city crime statistics for the sake of justifying taxpayer dollar spending. As a P.I., she could call her own shots. And with Alex still working in their forensic processing labs, she had all the facilities she needed. Besides, cops couldn't work on personal cases. The loss of objectivity, according to experts, was a de detriment to getting results. Yet, here she was, possibly inches from closure. Three chairs away sat Burke. He had the same non-judgmental, neutral expression on his face he wore while listening in group. Even from this distance, he didn't look like a serial killer. Then again, the ladies who met Ted Bundy for the first time probably thought the same thing. Her phone vibrated. Quietly, she rose and headed to the bathroom. The caller ID said it was Alex, so she swiped to answer. Hey babe, what's up? Hey, just got comparison results. A vice gripped her heart. Her breathing became shallow. The next question sat on the tip of her tongue but she hesitated. What if she was wrong? Her ears and face warmed. What if Burke wasn't the killer? Her palms began to sweat. What if the last three years of hunting had been for nothing? Where would she be then? Babe, you okay? She took a deep breath. Regardless, she had to know. Que sera sera, and they would deal with the outcome. Yeah, babe, sorry, so? There was a pause. It's a match. The vice released, and tears started to fill her eyes. Only one of the other victims' families agreed to speak to Rosa, Senora Maria Lopez, the mother of the victim before Lily. She met her at her home, 3132 Oakwood Avenue. After getting her Yorkshire Terrier to calm down, they spoke over coffee in her living room. The topic wasn't going to be easy to broach. The last thing a passenger in the boat of grief wanted to do was discuss what got them a ticket aboard. But for the investigation, she had to, and she would, but cautiously. After a little polite chit-chat to put Signora at ease, Rosa proceeded. What can you tell me about the last day you saw your daughter? Signora wiped her eyes and took a deep breath. The last time I saw Marta, she was heading over to Garrison Park to take some pictures. She looked at Rosa. She was pursuing a photography career. Any gig, she'd take it. Weddings, funerals, proms. And she was good. 
Senora Lopez rose and went over to a closet in the main hallway. She took out a large old shoe box. She sat it on the coffee table in front of Rosa and removed the lid. The glossy surfaces of stacks of hundreds of pictures gleamed up at her. Her work? The last pictures she developed. Ever since we got her that first disposable camera from Walgreens, she'd been snapping them. Rosa undid some of the loose rubber bands binding the stacks and flipped through them. Some of them had time stamps, while others had dates, locations, and rough times written on the back in Sharpie. Her mother was right. Marta was good. When she left, did she go alone? Senor Lopez pulled the box closer to her. Oh, she was going with her work friends. She worked a day job at the Quick Trip as a cashier. She grabbed the nearest stack. She flipped through it and handed Rosa a photo. It featured five people, three women and two men. The figure at the center was Marta. Rosa had only ever seen her autopsy photos. She looked so full of joy, as did her friends, except one. One young man wasn't smiling. In fact, he seemed reluctant to be in the frame. Who's that? Oh, that must be Joey Burke, said Senora Lopez. She told me about him, but he never visited. She said he was a work hermit. He'd go home right after work and barely socialize afterwards. He's not in many photos. Joseph Burke. Interesting. Rosa pocketed her phone. What could they do next? A single match to a partial print from a three-year-old case wasn't enough to guarantee a conviction. They needed more. She stared at her reflection in the bathroom mirror. The question irritated her mind like a belt pulled just too tight. Something snatched her attention. A thread. It dangled from the sweater she wore. She pinched it and pulled, but more thread came loose. It was better to leave it be for now. She pulled the bathroom door open. Feeling okay? A startled jolt zapped Rosa's heart. Burke stood near the door, two coffee cups in hand. He apologized and held one cup out to her. You look like you might need something to keep you awake. Rosa forced her best smile. Thanks. I was feeling rather sleepy. Each took a sip and stood a moment in silence. Then Burke's eyes drifted downwards. Loose thread. Yeah, she said. If I yank it, it'll just pull the sweater apart. Burke sat his coffee cup atop the nearby trash can. I can fix that. He reached for something beneath his jacket. He pulled up a black piece of plastic. With a click, a long serrated blade sprang from it. With a quick slice, he removed the thread and then dangled it in front of her. See? Quick work. The blade's edge twinkled in the fluorescent light. Do you always carry that? Not always. Another click and the blade collapsed. But I prefer to have it on me. The thick denim of his jeans scraped as he replaced it. You never know when you might need one. Rosa kept smiling. And how'd you learn to handle a knife so smoothly? Burke smiled back. Hunting and tanning. When I was a kid. The rattles of metal chairs drew their attention again. Burke picked up his coffee. Better head back. Rosa held back. Her hands started to shake, so she gripped her coffee cup with both to stop it. The way he'd handled that knife that had had a serrated blade like the cuts on the victims. 
It had to be true. Senora Lopez provided Rosa with contact information for Martha's former employer. She called the Quick Trips manager, one Thomas Grant, and asked if she could speak with him about Martha and her old co-workers. She was a great worker, he said, leaning back in his desk chair. Didn't matter what you asked her to do, she'd do it efficiently. He stared at the wall a moment. The customers loved her. Rosa couldn't help but briefly smile at that. Between Senor Lopez's comments about her and this, Marta had clearly been a good person, kind, ambitious, and hardworking. All that potential snuffed out by a sicko. What about her teammates? How did she get along with them? Swimmingly. Matter of fact, whenever they were on shift together, the place ran like a new car. Not one hiccup ever. They all had each other's backs. Do any of them still work here? Yes, I can ask them to speak with you if you'd like. I'd appreciate that. Grant's brow furrowed for a second. Nope. Wait. I lied. One of them doesn't. Rosa raised an eyebrow. Who? Joey Burke. He opened the topmost drawer of a nearby filing cabinet. He flicked through several folders before drawing out one and flipped through its contents. Yes, he turned his two-week notice in two months before Martha passed. Interesting. Did he give any reason? Yeah, said Grant. He flipped to another page inside the folder. According to his resignation letter, it was mainly because of benefits. He said he'd taken a job over at the Carnahan Museum as a janitor. They were offering him more money an hour than I was, plus better benefits a month into the job. That name leapt out at Rosa like an actor in a haunted house. The Carnahan Mansion Museum was where Lily had disappeared, and where her body turned up two weeks later. There was a connection, and his name was Joseph Burke. It's not enough, Rosa, said Morehouse. Rosa sat forward in the chair and cupped her head in her hands. The groan from Chief Brogan told her he concurred with Morehouse. Burke had no criminal record, either adult or juvenile, not even a speeding ticket. The only reason he was on their radar now was because of her. With only a fingerprint, a tie between two victims and a connection to Lily's former workplace, the evidence was circumstantial. If they arrested him now, any slippery defense attorney could spin things that way before a jury, and then he'd walk. Not even the knife could peg him down. Rosa sifted through possibilities. What else could they do? Wait for another murder? What if he disappeared before he killed again? Brogan's chair creaked as he leaned forward. There is one possibility, Rosa. She looked up at him. The light glinted off the badge on his chest. What? What if you could get him to confess on tape? Rosa frowned. Wearing a wire? and try to force it out of him? With the evidence, there's plenty to suggest a connection. That might be enough for a warrant to authorize its use. Are you losing it, Chief? said Morehouse. If she does that and Burke really did do it, what do you think he'll do to her? She'd do it under our surveillance, Morehouse. That way we can snatch him up should he try anything, and if he confesses, and if he denies it, Rosa stood up. We have to chance it. 
She glared at Morehouse, trying hard to check her emotions. The thought that they might let Burke go when he was inches from apprehension put a catch in her throat. The tears were seconds away from trickling out of her. She took a moment to compose herself. If we wait, he could vanish and re-emerge after another killing, she said. And we'd be right back where we started. She turned to Brogan. See if you can get the warrant. I'll arrange everything with Burke. Okay, said Brogan. Any idea for where this will happen? Rosa had only one place in mind. Rosa locked arms with Burke and walked into the Carnahan Museum. She'd convinced him to give her the tour of the place because she hadn't been inside. A pretty good lie on her part. She hadn't been inside it since before Lily died. They wandered through several of the exhibits, with Burke telling her stuff he'd overheard the tour guide say. Suddenly, they rounded a corner and Rosa's stomach backflipped. The Red Room exhibit... It was a precise replica of the Carnahan family's salon. Scarlet walls, white doors, golden furniture, and a crystal chandelier. Rosa half expected a Carnahan to enter any moment. Despite that, the fireplace drew all of Rosa's attention. In front of it was where they'd found Lily's body. Memories of the crime scene photos flashed before her eyes. She clenched her fist, and, in her mind, said the prayer she'd said at the morgue when they called her and Alex in to identify Lily's body. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Burke unlocked his arm from Rosa's and stepped into the exhibit, pointing and explaining, but Rosa heard only the words of the prayer. Slowly, her courage built up like the pressure in a shaken champagne bottle. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Burke turned to the fireplace. And that's made of the same, Joey? It's over, she said. Burke looked at her, an eyebrow raised. What? This game of hide-and-seek you've been playing? It's done. Burke tilted his head like a confused dog and smiled. Rosa, are you okay? Alex and Morehouse's voices blared through the earbud in her right ear, but she didn't respond. The prayer continued. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who... Do you remember a young woman who worked here three years ago named Lily Nunez? A shadow dropped over Burke's eyes. The smile wilted into a sad scowl. Then a different smile crept over his face, like a lethargic serpent. I guess it was bound to happen eventually. He bowed like an actor on stage. Then with ease, he whipped out his knife and pointed the blade at her. I guess the question now is, what next? He tossed the knife between his hands like a juggler's ball and walked towards her at an easy pace. Normally, I like to take things slow. His path shifted like a predator trying to outflank its prey. But I don't think I have that luxury. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Burke charged her. Rosa grabbed the wrist of his knife hand. She tried to stay on her feet, but Burke had at least forty pounds on her. They toppled to the floor, knocking over the golden furniture. They grappled, each trying to overpower the other. 
Burke pinned her down and punched her repeatedly in the face. Rosa didn't release her grip on his knife hand. The blade inched closer to her neck. A stampede of running coursed through the floor. Shouts and commands filled the air. Two armored officers hauled Burke off her. Alex and Morehouse followed and helped Rosa to her feet. She hugged Alex tight, but she kept her sights on Burke. The serpentine smile was gone, replaced again with a scowl. He glared at her as one of the officers Mirandized him. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Rosa smiled at him. She'd got him. Thank you.